Hello everyone. Today is a wonderful day because I have two great guests who are going to be discussing a great topic. And um, so it's the month of February already. It seems like it was yesterday when it was 2021. But, uh, you know, uh, time goes by very fast. So today our guests are Dr. Goris Asefi and Dr. Aydin Porshams. Am I saying it right, Aydin? Yes. Porshams. Thank you. Porshams. <laughs> okay, so the original idea was Aydin's, uh, Dr. Porshams. But we have to mention ladies first. So that's why I mentioned Dr. Asefi first. <laughs> Welcome, doctors, for to have this discussion together. Uh, we will be discussing how we can pick up on clues from examining the tongue to help during our patient assessments. So, uh, Dr. Asefi, uh, can you introduce yourself? Let us know who you are. I know that you are experiencing a wonderful time of your life. So get closer to your microphone and let us know who you are. Thank you, Dr. Ariaza. I'm Dr. Asefi. I am really excited to be here and uh, talking about tongue, especially in the month of February. Um, so thank you so much for having me. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Asefi. <laughs> you mean because it's uh, Valentine's yes, Day? Yes, yes. <laughs> so, and Dr. Asefi is a PGY3 of the Rio Bravo Family Medicine res Residency Program. And we have Dr. Aydin Porshams, who is uh, a candidate. So, Dr. Porshams, uh, introduce yourself, please. Yes, I'm a medical graduate from Ross, and I've been really thankful to be a part of a few projects with the team at Rio Bravo. And I'm so happy to be part of this podcast that now has in an international audience. So, it's, uh, it's very exciting. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, Aydin. So we're going to try to fit this um, this discussion in 20, 20 minutes or 25 minutes. But uh, Aydin, how do you get this idea about the tongue? You know, I was working at a family medicine clinic and uh, sometimes we overlook the tongue when we're doing a physical exam. And I think it's important as part of our method uh, to evaluate our patients, to find any diagnoses. We can really get clues. And that's why we titled it The Tongue Talks. So hopefully it'll be uh, helpful for our audience. Yeah. So, and you said something about traditional Chinese medicine. I didn't know there was a, an acronym for that, actually, TCM. So what do you find that's about that TCM? Yes, well, in traditional Chinese medicine, regions of the tongue reflect information about specific organ systems. For example, the tip of the tongue traditionally depicts ailments of the heart, while the anterior lateral sections of the tongue represent the lungs, and the posterior lateral regions reflect the health of the liver and gallbladder. But today we will focus on more common tongue lesions. Yes, that's great. So let's talk about what a normal tongue is. And by the way, the word tongue for me is hard because we don't have that sound in Spanish, you know, tongue. So um, so for, uh, forgive me if I say something different, but tongue, uh, the tongue is a muscular organ, highly vascularized and highly, highly innervated. It is normally covered by pink mucosa and has a rough surface. Um, which is caused by the presence of papillae or taste buds. It is vital for chewing and swallowing food, and it is essential for speaking. 
Yes, the tongue contains an abundance of blood vessels and is constantly regenerating. The top layer of the tongue is replaced every two to three days. A healthy tongue should appear slightly wet, light red, and pink, uh, with possibly an, a normal thin white coating. There should not be any fissures, teeth marks, or swelling. That's right. And on physical exam, we need to ensure that the patient has full range of motion of the tongue. It is very important to look at a patient's tongue during physical examination to note the shape, size, color, and texture of the tongue, body, and the coat. Findings can suggest the state of organ functions and progression of any underlying conditions. Today, we will describe certain physical findings on tongue examination and discuss what clues could be drawn when diagnosing or treating our patients. This is Rio Bravo Q Week, your weekly dose of knowledge brought to you by the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program from Bakersfield, California. Our program is affiliated with UCLA and it's sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista. Let us be your healthcare home. That was a great introduction. So let's start, guys, with a discussion. Dr. Porshams, what do you have there? Sure. So when we're evaluating our patient, we want to know, what are our suspicions if a tongue was described as having patches resembling smooth red islands or patches located on the top or side of the tongue? And the patches may actually change location, size, and shape. Any ideas on a diagnosis? Hmm. Well, this could be a geographic tongue, also called benign migratory glossitis. Uh, which is considered harmless and related to allergic rhinitis and other allergies. But it can also be linked to psoriasis and reactive arthritis. What about a tongue that is described as dark and furry or hairy, along with a patient complaining of metallic taste in their mouth? On physical examination, you also note halitosis or bad breath. This is an interesting one. So hopefully our audience is thinking about what it could be. But it could be a diagnosis of black hairy tongue or lingua villosa nigra. Any idea on what may cause black hairy tongue? Well, possible causes include antibiotic use, tobacco use, breathing from your mouth uh, predominantly, or poor oral hygiene. In addition, it could also be radiation therapy or the chronic use of bismuth. Wow, interesting. Yeah, bismuth, but definitely that's black. Yeah, that's yeah. black. You you have used peptobismol after having diarrhea, right? Uh, no. No, you haven't? Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. Wow, okay, that's really good <laughs> it's to pink, know. That's but then scary. it turns into black. So. Oh, wow, okay. Now let's talk about some vitamin deficiency uh, deficiencies that may be represented by changes in the tongue appearance. If the patient's tongue appears purple and the corners of the mouth display angular stomatitis, it would be wise to suspect a... Any ideas? Well, well I'm thinking a vitamin B2 deficiency. Ooh, B2 
eyes and the mouth. Yes, that's right. Riboflavin. Um, you know, the patient can have a painful can have painful cracks in the corners of the mouth and on the lips, known as ang angular calitis. So that's the inflammation of the angles of your mouth. Also, they can have scaly patches on the head and uh, magenta mouth and tongue, like Dr. Asefi said. <clears throat> so purple, purple, basically magenta. It is seen in patients who do not eat enough meat. So that means vegans, but also in chronic disorders such as chronic diarrhea, liver disease, alcohol use disorder, malabsorption, and chronic use of barbiturates. Okay. Um, giving vitamin B supplements by mouth may resolve the problem. Vitamin B intoxic uh, intoxication is virtually impossible. So you can supplement uh, vitamin B along with other vitamins by mouth com uh, confidently, especially patients who are on hemodialysis or peri uh, peritoneal dialysis. They would lose a lot of these vitamins. Um, foods rich in riboflavins include grains, mushrooms, and dairy products. So vitamin B2 deficiency is normally not seen just by itself but it's usually combined with other vitamin B deficiencies. And by the way, uh, I forgot to mention bariatric surgery patients because they can have nice. vitamin B deficiency in general, not only B2, but B2, B1, B12, etc. So that's why bariatric surgery, surgery patients, they should have a supplement daily for the rest of their lives after bariatric surgery. This is really quite fascinating. Well, let's see another presentation of a patient's tongue. Let's say a patient's tongue is inflamed or uh, as the proper term is glossitis and it's extremely uncomfortable or painful. Any suspicion on what vitamin may be deficient here? Well, uh, you might suspect vitamin uh, B3 deficiency, also known as board's favorite question, niacin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now, while we mentioned angular stomatitis with riboflavin deficiency, that is cracks on the corners of the mouth with niacin deficiency, the lips may appear cracked along the surface of the lips themselves. Foods that are rich in niacin include meats and poultry, fish and nuts. Oh man, that makes me very hungry. <laughs> um, let's remember, the condition is associated with niacin B3 deficiency, pellagra. This is an Italian word that translates to a rough skin. You have to say it in Italian, Dr. Asset. Oh yes. <laughs> pellagra. Perfect. <laughs> Although a nutritional deficiency may be less frequent, now uh, less frequent now than centuries ago, we still may see pellagra in cases of gastrointestinal disease in which absorption of nutrition is diminished or in patients with malnutrition, possibly from alcoholism or, you know, those Instagram models. <laughs> yeah. Good point. <laughs> In addition to the manifestations of the tongue, pellagra can progress to cause a red rash on the cheeks or around the neck, constipation that then leads to diarrhea, nervousness and depression, which lead to dementia, and if left untreated, these patients actually die. Wow. Yes. Um, there are the four Ds of pellagra. 
dermatitis, diarrhea, dementia, and death. The next description of a tongue is of a patient with a pale, light-colored tongue. What could this possibly be? Okay, patient with a pale, light-colored tongue. So this patient may have iron deficiency anemia, and along with the changing color, there may be soreness, atrophy of the taste buds. As well as angular stomatitis. These patients may also have fatigue and feeling cold, especially in in the extremities.、Uh, as you can imagine, this is a very common finding in a、um, family medicine office visit. While ferrous sulfate can be described for anemia, it is it is important to remember its irritating effect on the stomach mucosa and possible gastrointestinal side effects such as constipation. Yes, and that's why supplementation by iron-rich foods is preferred if the anemia is not severe. Food sources with heme iron include red meat, fish, and poultry. Non-heme sources of iron include. Spinach and other dark leafy green vegetables, as well as egg yolks. The food with the highest content of iron is liver. So it's not very yummy, but you know it's very rich in iron. <laughs>、uh, remember that iron absorption is improved by vitamin C. This is all such good information. So now let's think of a patient whose tongue looks beefy. Red and inflamed, and the patient is complaining of soreness. Hmm. Interesting. Beefy red, inflamed tongue. I'm thinking this may be vitamin B12 deficiency, also known known as cobalamin, which is a critical which is critical for、uh, RBC maturation. Without cobalamin, patients develop pernicious anemia. With symptoms of fatigue, irritability, confusion, depression, numbness, and tingling of the extremities, and eventually psychosis. This is very severe. Now, to prevent this, vitamin B12 is found in many foods such as meat, fish, dairy, and eggs, as well as fermented foods including sauerkraut, yogurt, and kimchi. Do you remember what parietal cells within the gastric mucosa release, which is essential for absorption of vitamin B12 from the digest- digestive tract? Well, if our audience said intrinsic factor, you are correct. And it is important to remember that the use of antacids, which is a lot of our patients. Can diminish level of interest intrinsic factor and contribute to vitamin B12 deficiency, as well as other medications such as PPIs, metformin, colchicine, and aminosalicylic acid, which is an anti-tuberculosis medication which I've never seen prescribed. Interestingly, co-administration of vitamin B12 with vitamin C may reduce the available amount of vitamin B12 in your body. So take vitamin vitamin C two or more hours apart from vitamin B twelve. Oh, interesting.、Um, that's very good to know. It's it's good to remember metformin though.、Yeah. We have a lot of patients on metformin, and sometimes we forget that they can have B twelve deficiency, and and we have patients also with diabetic neuropathy who are taking metformin, and sometimes we confuse neuropathy with B twelve deficiency. I see. Okay.、Um, now let's describe another patient. 
a child with congenital hypothyroidism. What would you expect to see on examination of the mouth or tongue? Okay, this is interesting. Well, with congenital hypothyroidism, such patients may have a thick tongue that may not even properly fit in the space of the mouth, thus protruding from the mouth. The same is true for adults with enlarged tongues, as well as other symptoms of hypothyroidism. The medical term for enlarged tongue is macroglossia. This can also be seen in Down syndrome. Another case can be a patient with thick white patches on the tongue, which spread onto the cheeks. Wow. Okay. Well, the obvious suspicion would be oral thrush, or to be more specific, pseudomembranous oropharyngeal candidiasis, which is a yeast infection seen in both immunocompetent and immunosuppressed children and adults. That's right. We cannot talk about the tongue without talking about oral candidiasis. So it is normally associated with infants and children who are bottle-fed or have used antibiotics or corticosteroids to treat asthma or allergic rhinitis or patients with HIV or AIDS. Also, adults who use dentures are, are at increased risk of oral thrush. Yes, and the treatment of oral candidiasis must be individualized based on the severity of the infection and immune status of the patient. But it is normally treated with topical antifungal in immunocompetent patients with mild disease or systemic therapy in severe cases of immunosuppressed patients. Okay, so fluconazole will be the medication. You know, it's very common here in the Central Valley because of coxy. Yeah. So, but yeah, that that will be the treatment, the systemic treatment. Yeah, and it's cheap and easy to find also. Yes. Um, also, in cases of white tongue in adults, you should consider leukoplakia. Remember that? Also called smoker's keratosis, which may or may not be cancerous, actually. Please be vigilant because leukoplakia could be an early sign of cancer. Correct, an early sign of cancer. Leukoplakia is a descriptive clinical term used for a white plague or lesion on the tongue or, or the oral cavity that cannot be wiped off with a gauze. A biopsy for a definite diagnosis may be needed after a six-week observation to rule out other causes such as mechanical friction, for example. The differential diagnosis of white lesions on the tongue is pretty extensive, and it includes leaking, pla leaking planus, leukoedema, tobacco stewart white lesion, chemical burns, HPV infections, and squamous cell carcinoma, so it's pretty extensive. Very extensive, pretty scary actually. Now, now let's see if we can go to another patient. This patient presents with small, shallow sores on the inside of the mouth, at the base of the gums, and on the sides or surface of the tongue. What do you think the diagnosis might be here? This may be canker, uh, canker sore or amphus ulcer. The sores can be painful, making it difficult for the patient to eat and talk. Treatment include oral rinses with benzidamine, um, hydrochloride, tongue twister. Benzidamine? <laughs> ben benzidamine. Benzidamine, hydrochloride, and pastes, uh, paste such as 
benzocaine or steroids like triamcinolone can also be used to reduce inflammation. Uh, inflammation yeah inflammation yeah. finally let's describe a patient who comes in with trembling tongue what would be a potential diagnosis in such a patient okay so if we see a patient with a trembling tongue it would be important to rule out a stroke and immediate medical attention is important fasciculations of the tongue may indicate a lower motor neuron injury which can lead to dysarthria or dysphagia and new onset of fasciculations may be a sign of ALS or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis so we're going here into like the very complicated cases so a trembling tongue we can include also differentials like seizure in that case but the shaking would not only include the tongue, but also may include the larynx, the pharynx, and the face, uh, which is in a rare condition called palatal tremor. We did not cover many things like viral infections, strawberry tongue, lichen planus, plumber Vincent syndrome, ankyloglossia, macroglossia, angioedema, and many more topics. But we'll leave that for a part two of our talk. talk. <laughs> <laughs> So in conclusion, the tongue talks. The tongue can show signs of disease specific to the tongue, but also signs of systemic disease. That's why a good physical examination is so important. Let's remember to check the tongue of our patients. Great advice, Dr. Asifi. Now geographic tongue, fissured tongue, and hairy tongue are the most common tongue problems and do not require treatment. When we find tongue abnormalities, let's keep in mind viral and fungal infections, vitamin deficiencies, immunodeficiencies, pre-malignant and malignant lesions. Good job, guys. That was a great discussion about uh, the tongue. So we can leave. Uh, if you can make a commitment to come back for the second part of this talk, which is very fascinating. Um, are you are you gonna come back guys for the second yes. part Most definitely yes I'm all excited right already. well <laughs> i'm excited for the second part too thank you guys for listening to this episode and i hope you liked it and uh we'll see you next time Now we conclude our episode number 81, The Tongue Talks. Dr. Asefi Porshams and Ariaza discussed common findings of the tongue. By examining the tongue, you can find clues for significant local or systemic diseases. Keep in mind infections, vitamin deficiencies, benign lesions, and even cancer. The tongue is more than an organ for speaking, breathing, swallowing, and testing. It's a symbol of the way we talk to others. A tongue has no bones, but it's strong enough to break a heart, so be careful with your words. Even without trying, Every night, you go to bed being a little wiser. Thanks for listening to Rio Bravo Q-Week. If you have any feedback about this podcast, please contact us by email at riobravoqweek at clinicaservices.org or visit our website, riobravofmrp.org backslash qweek. This podcast was created for educational purposes only. Please visit your primary care physician for additional medical advice. This week, we thank Hector Ariaza, Aideen Porshams, and Goris Asefi. Audio by Suraj Amritya. See you next week.